speak fluently what you would have me speak, what you would have me say, and I will be led only by the Spirit. I will speak not on my own behalf, just as Jesus didn't, but I will speak what the Father wants to communicate tonight thoroughly, effectively, productively, and clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, um, you know, we hit on uh, the kingdom of God, and, and I'm doing a series um, on kingdom mind renewal. And it, it's basically mind renewal and what it means to renew your mind. Um, and the reason I'm starting here is because it is the foundation. Um, I've, you've heard me say it. That I can't get you anywhere that I can't get your mind to go. Um, you can't overcome in life if you can't overcome in your mind. And the, the word has so much to say about your brain, about your mind. and well, Not your brain. I'm not talking about your brain. I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about your mentality, your thought processes. Your brain is the physical uh, function that's in your head. But I'm talking about the mind, which is part of your soul. Remember, uh, we are a three-part being. We're a spirit. We possess a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's what you think, it's what you want to do, and it's how you feel. That's your soul. And, and then we have our flesh. And the constant battle, the constant conflict that's going on in every single person's life, saved, unsaved, no matter what your history or background is, there's one conflict that's going on in everybody's life, and that is the soul being tossed between conforming to the flesh or conforming to the spirit. And the whole goal... Uh, for a believer, for a kingdom citizen, is for their soul to be overcome by their spirit and not their flesh. So this is the constant battle. Do I do what my flesh wants to do? Do I act uh, according to how my flesh feels? Or do I go by what the word says because that's what my spirit's living off of? And so this is the constant battle. And so we're talking about the mind. We're talking about your thought process. Um, and just as I can't get you to overcome anywhere that you, your mind doesn't overcome, um, you are defeated not in your flesh first, but in your mind. Sickness first comes as a thought. Uh, lack first comes as a thought. Satan cannot defeat you anywhere that you don't give him access to your mind. Period. And we're going to see this throughout this entire series. Uh, your mind is so important. Um, you, we, we miss so much in life because we're attacking the wrong area or the wrong thing. You know, it's like the cartoons that you saw growing up. You know, uh, you got Bugs Bunny and you got a guy and he's got an angel on one side and then he's got a devil on the other. That's real life. That's real life. We don't see these things on, on people's shoulders, but that's the real deal. We, we are being, are we going to respond according to the word and to, according to what our spirit knows? Are we going to respond according, uh, when, when you get a bad report in your body, are you going to respond according to what the doctor says or are you going to respond according to what God has already said? Amen. What the spirit, what the word has already said. And we, every day we have, these, we have these opportunities every day of our lives. And you're not weak if you give into it. You're, there is, therefore, now no condemnation. But the goal is to build up our spirit. I mean, if there's any area that uh, we're struggling in or that we're not overcoming in, the first thing we need to do is look at our mind. What are we setting our mind on? Um, this goes for people with addictions. 
uh, don't expect to overcome an addiction to alcohol if, if all you're setting in front of you is alcohol ads and thinking about alcohol and thinking about how awesome it is to drink alcohol. Uh, you're not just going to come out of that thing. You're going to fall right back in. Why? Because we're not setting our mind on anything different. We're not setting our mind on what the Word says about overcoming addictions and, and, and being empowered and, and uh, being able to rule and reign in this life and not be bound by something like that. Um, so this is what we're trying to get across through this, um, through this series. And last week we laid a foundation because you have to understand that your structure is only as good as your foundation. I don't care how well we make this building look. I mean, we can make it look, uh, you know, just extremely awesome and, and, and have uh, awesome stuff going on in here. But if this foundation, this concrete slab that we're on, uh, was not built properly, the whole thing's going down. Okay? So we have to lay a solid foundation. And last week we did that. Um, I didn't get to any of my actual notes beginning with my actual lesson because we talked about the kingdom of God. We said that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, we know this. He created the trees. He created plants. He created clouds. He created the sky. He created the waters, everything. He created man. But to man, he gave a specific assignment. To man, he gave the assignment of ruling and reigning on this earth, in this life. Not having to wait till we get to heaven. We ask the question, uh, if Adam and Eve had never sinned, where would they be today? And we have to understand what sin did. Sin took man out of its place in life as the rightful authority in the earth. God ex wanted to rule the earth, but not from heaven, through man. This is why he gave man uh, all authority. Man obviously forfeited that. We gave it up. We gave up um, our territory. We gave, our, gave up our rulership and our authority in this earth. But there was a man that came back, the second Adam. His name is Jesus. And he came back, God's son, to die on the cross, to raise us uh, and to be raised up, not just to get us to heaven, but to give us that access back into the earth. To give us that authority, because that's exactly what he said, Matthew chapter 28, right before he ascended, right before he went up. We call it the Great Commission. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now you go and cast out demons. Now you go and tread on serpents. Now you go lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Now you go and make disciples. He transferred that authority. It's called delegated authority. Delegation is simply uh, if I'm away, if I'm uh, not where I, where I need to be to uh, do something, I can send someone in my behalf, on my behalf, to do it for me. I remember, um, I guess about seven or eight years ago now, um, my dad, he's in the Air Force, it was in the Air Force, just recently retired, and um, he had to go to Afghanistan. And so in that process, he was in Afghanistan for about eight, eight months, and he delegated to my mom all authority to be able to act on his behalf, to be able to pay bills on his behalf, to be able to sign things on his behalf, to be able to do anything that needed to be done in his departure. Well, where is Jesus? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. He's no longer on this earth. So he has delegated that authority, that power, that dominion back to us. And that was the authority we were supposed to be operating in all along. Now, when this happened... The kingdom didn't come in the world as we see it and as we know it. We talked about this last week. We said Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 
the kingdom is within you. Which means anything that God is going to do, any advancement of the kingdom is first going to come from you on the inside out. That means that we are now carriers of the kingdom. We are now uh, the kingdom of God. Everywhere we go, every person we come in contact with should come in contact with the kingdom of God. The difference is, is we, we own the, re- the responsibility of do we let the kingdom come out or do we keep it within us? And so this is where uh, we have to become empowered as a church. I believe the church should be the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. There should be nothing stopping the church. There should be no finance, uh, no financial need that should stop the church. Uh, there's no place that we should be able to go that people can stop us from being. Uh, we should be able to take this message everywhere. And um, this is the church as Jesus meant it to be. This is the body of Christ as Jesus wanted it to be. The only way Jesus can operate in authority in this earth is through his body. My head cannot hold up this microphone and talk through this microphone without my hand helping it out. This is my body helping out my head to be able to communicate something. Jesus has something he wants to communicate, amen? He wants to communicate the kingdom of God. And we are the body of Christ. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are the ones doing the signs and wonders. We are the ones preaching the gospel. We are the ones carrying this good news. So this is, the, this is the overview, the layout of the kingdom that we laid last week. And so this week I want to go ahead and get in to our lesson. I want to open up with this here real quick in Luke chapter 5. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there in Luke <clears throat> chapter 5. And if, if taking notes is very important. Um, if you guys have the opportunity to bring something to write on and to, to take notes, that's important because I'm going to tell you right now, Church on Sunday and Wednesday is not enough. It's not enough. That might come as a surprise or a shock and think, well, what, what in the world? What am I supposed to do? This is our daily bread. This is our daily bread. And see, religion makes lifestyles an event. A lifestyle of studying the Word has become an event of opening up our Bible on Sunday and Wednesday and then never accessing it again. Religion has made praise and worship a lifestyle. Well, I praise God and I worship God in church, but everywhere else I complain. Instead of praising God on Monday and praising God on Tuesday and worshiping Him on on Wednesday morning, it don't matter where you, it don't matter if you're in a bathroom, doesn't matter if you're in your car, doesn't matter if you're at your job, doesn't matter if you're in an elevator, uh, it doesn't matter if you're walking through Walmart. We're praising and worshiping God. Why? Because it's a lifestyle for us. It's not an event. It's not a Sunday, Wednesday deal. This isn't a thing that I do inside. Remember, we're the church. We're the church, which means praise and worship goes with us. Study of the word goes with us. Okay? So we're, we're empowering. We're, we're, we're training you up. We're, we're going to change our thinking. Remember last week I said that changing our thinking is so important. There's not a service that I go to. There's not a, a time of hearing the word. Um, every time I open my Bible, every time I hear someone preach, every time I hear my pastor preach, every time um, that I'm studying, 
I'm asking myself, what am I going to change in my thinking today? What's going to change? What's going to be different? What access am I going to find in the Word that I didn't know about before? Or what did I think I knew, but I really didn't know, and now I really know? We have to be asking ourselves. We, we cannot come to church with the mentality of, I hope he says something that I already know. Or I hope that he strengthens something that I already know. That happens. I mean, if I say, uh, Jesus loves you, I'm just strengthening something you already know. But just as much as that happens, there's a change that comes also. And we have to be open to that. And I'm not saying taking it from my word, because I'm just a man. And I can miss it. But let's get in the word and let's study it out. And you can trust me that I'm not just up here yapping about something that I heard on TV or you know, read in a magazine and said, ooh, that sounds good. I'm going to preach that. And this, is, these, this is stuff that I've given my heart to. This is stuff that I've given my life to and that I study out and that I know for a fact beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is truth. You can know that and you can trust that from me. So I want to look at this here in, a, in Luke chapter 5 <clears throat> in verse 36. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, then he spoke a parable to them. No one, put, no one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new one makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. No one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. What I want you to see here is that Jesus is talking about what you hear. He's talking about a message. Again, this is a parable. When Jesus spoke in parables, he was uh, speaking in code. He was telling a story. He was uh, giving an example of something. But he wasn't really talking about wine and new wineskins and then busting open and spilling out everywhere. He's talking about the message that you're hearing. Remember that Jesus came back preaching, Matthew 4, 17, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came bringing a message that was going to require them to look at it in a different view. Before this time, you had religious leaders, you had the scribes, you had the Sadducees, you had the Pharisees. And what are they doing? They're just giving religious banter. They're just they're studiers of the word, studiers of the Old Testament that they had at the time. And that's all they did is they just read that. They read that before the people, and it became a bunch of do's and don'ts, and don't talk like this, and don't talk like that, and talk like this. Don't wear this. You can't do this on such and such day. I mean, they're always getting after Jesus' disciples. They're washing hands. Or they didn't wash their hands before they picked the, picked the fields. Or they're doing this on the Sabbath. Or Jesus was healing somebody on the Sabbath. And, isn't that, and Jesus is talking about the person's heart. Jesus is bringing a different message. And so what I want you to see here is that the message you're going to hear, this kingdom message cannot be put through your filter of your traditions. 
cannot be put through your filter of what you heard growing up. cannot be put through your filter of what my mommy and daddy taught me. Okay? We've got we to see this, that everything that we heard before needs to be put through the filter of the kingdom. We have to switch the filter. It's like this. Eyeglasses. I wear glasses. I have contacts in, but I wear glasses. I can see without my glasses, not very well, obviously, not well enough to drive and, and get around. But things become so much clearer when I put the right lens on. What's that do? That just gives me a new perspective. I mean, if I didn't have my contacts in and I looked back there, I could tell that was a tree. But now that I have my glasses on, I can tell what kind of tree it is, about how tall it is. I can see more defined. I can get more. And I'm going to tell you right now that this kingdom message doesn't, didn't change my stance on salvation. Didn't change my stance on faith. Didn't change my stance on prayer. Didn't change what I believed about the Holy Spirit. Didn't change what I knew about how God operates in the earth. It just made things more clear for me. It said, this is how we use faith. This is why we pray. This is how we get answered prayers. This is why the Holy Spirit is in the earth. This is how he works. This is how he speaks to people. Things became clear when you understand the kingdom. Because this entire book is about a king, his kingdom, and his children. We're all children of the king. Children of the king operate differently than the way the, the church is operating today. And so we need to see this. We understand this. I, I'm not trying to take a time of just teaching because, you know, we all want those powerful messages um, where we're preaching. You're an overcomer and, and you're equipped to win in life every day. But the problem is, is we're leaving out the details. We're telling people they're overcomers. Is that truth? Yes, that's truth. But how? How can I align myself with the word because the word is our law? How can I align myself with what the Bible is saying so I can be an overcomer? Because, man, if you're in a battle and you have no idea why you're in the battle, who you're fighting, how you protect yourself, we've got to ask these questions. Because we're in a battle day in and day out. This is a battle. But we're already overcomers. But we need to know how to walk in that. We need to know how to get on the right side. So that's what we're doing. Um, I, I'm not just trying to teach just to, you know, come up with something to talk about tonight. I mean, this is empowering you to overcome in every situation in life, to overcome in your marriage, to overcome with your children, to overcome in school, to overcome at our jobs, to overcome in our finances. This is why we do this. Amen? So let's get into this. Romans chapter 12, this is going to be our main text, and, and you'll see that we hit on this quite a bit. Um, this is really one of my favorite passages um, in the Word, and I find myself going to this passage uh, quite often, um, just because it, it's the foundation. It's, it's really what we're living for, what we're doing. So, Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to start with verse 1. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is talking about our lifestyle. This is talking about our conduct. Okay? This is talking about how you live. 
Present your body as a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice here that he's saying the way you change your lifestyle and the way, the way that you change your conduct is by changing your thinking. Transforming your thinking transforms your lifestyle. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For you to live out God's perfect will for your life, you have to transform your lifestyle to line up with the word. And the way you transform your lifestyle is by transforming your thinking. You're going to see over the next several weeks that we do this, the main thing we're trying to hit is transforming your lifestyle. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're, we want to transform your conduct. We want to transform your character. We want to transform the way you respond to things. We want to transform how you react when you hear certain things. We want to transform uh, how you approach certain people. Our daily lifestyle is based on our daily thinking. And so that's why we are reviewing how to renew your mind. And we're going to learn to think like a king. That's what we're doing. This is why it's kingdom mind renewal. Because a king reacts to situations differently than a citizen, than just someone that lives in the country. The king ought to have all the answers. Royalty should have all the answers and never worry about a thing. And that's what we want to do. We want to learn to think like a king. So let's look at a few words here. This word transform. This word transform comes from the Greek word um, that we get the word metamorphosis, which we all know metamorphosis is, the cha- is uh, changing or something that changes form. Okay, so this word literally means to change or to change in form. Transform literally means to change in form. This word renewing, this word renewing uh, comes from two different words. The first word meaning repetition, which means this thing's always going on, always going on, renewing, always happening. And then the second word, Greek word, is new, a newness in regards to freshness, being fresh. So here's what we're saying. When I say renew your mind, I don't say you're always getting a new brain. Because we're not talking about a newness in age. I'm talking about a newness in design. I'm talking about a newness in freshness. In, 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 in one sense, it's been cleansed. Okay? In the world, the word brainwashing is a, is a bad term. It's a term we stay away from. Oh, you just got brainwashed. We need to all be brainwashed by the word. Because here's the thing, all of us are born into a sin nature, which means you think, you think according to a sin nature. This is why a brainwashing, brain cleansing, a freshness needs to take place. Here's, here, let, me, let me show you exactly what took place. When you are born again, you come down to the altar you give your life to Jesus, Jesus, ask you to forgive me of all my sins, cleanse me, make me new. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. This took place. 
This is what happened at Born Again. When, you, when this took place, your spirit man became new. Whole new spirit man. That's what born again means. Here's the problem. It's the only thing that became new. You didn't get a new mind. Didn't get a new will. Didn't get new emotions. Didn't get a new body. You didn't walk up from the altar and everyone's going, who are you? What, what happened to... Didn't happen. The only thing that changed was your spirit on the inside that no one sees. So when we get up from that altar and we walk back to our chair and we walk to our car and we go home, we go home to our family, we still have the ability to operate and think according to our sin nature. When you go to your job the next day, you still have the ability to go to your job and operate and think like you did before according to your sin nature. You still have the ability to cuss your coworker out. You still have the ability to pick a fight with your spouse. You still have the ability to yell at your kids. You still have the ability to do all these things. But you were saved. You were born again. So there's a process that needs to take place, and this is called mind renewal. Let me put it this way. Your spirit, man, is born again. Your soul is being. Your spirit, man, is saved, born again. Your soul is being saved. And your flesh will never be saved. Your flesh will not be saved. You cannot save your flesh. Your flesh will always side with the enemy. And your flesh will always want to do exactly the opposite of what your spirit wants to do. Period. This is the conflict of mankind that will last until Jesus comes. Period. Okay? So the, what we need to do is get our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions in line with our spirit. You can side either way. You can side with the spirit, with God, with heaven, or you can side with your flesh, with the enemy, with the world. Okay? This is the conflict we're in. And this is why mind renewal is so important. So we see that transform means to change in form. And renewing means that there is a repeated freshness taking place. Now why is it repeated? Because I can think kingdom one day and go right back to thinking like the world the next day. We can do this. That's why there's a repetition. That's why it's always happening. The mind, like I said, is your intellect. It's your understanding and your thought. It's your, uh, your thought process and your capacity to think. I'm not talk when I say mind, don't think your brain. I'm not talking about your brain. I'm talking about your mind. When you, get a re when you renew your mind, I'm not saying get rid of all your old memories and your old thoughts. Okay? And that's huge because that's what the enemy will always try to bring back to you. Amen. Has anyone ever wondered why you can remember things that you did that were wrong? If God can't, but we can. Now, the enemy can bring this up against you, but I heard someone say this, and it absolutely changed my thinking on my past. He said, God, God can't remember your past. You remember your past so you can remember God's faithfulness to get you out of it. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Because I'm thinking, well, great, now I just have this whole past to deal with. I got the time that I beat up my brother, and I got the time that I yelled at my mom, and I got the time that I got fired from that job for doing this thing. And you're thinking, why do I have this past? It's not doing me any good. I want to get rid of it. Oh, but wait, God brought me through that. God brought me out of that sickness. God got me that job when I couldn't find a job. God got me those finances when I couldn't get the finances to do that. God uh, got me that car when I had no way to purchase the car. God helped me buy this house when I didn't have the credit to get a house. Come on. So it's our thinking. It's our thinking that the, the past is not there to get you down. It's there to pick you up and get you through the next one because you know he got you through it before. Okay? We've got Israelites. I'm going to hit on this real quick. I've got deliverance and freedom. There's a difference. Just because you've been set free doesn't mean you are free. We got millions of Israelites to come out of bondage, 450 years in bondage. Moses goes in, goes up to the Pharaoh, ten plagues hit, they all come out. They're not free. Not a one of them. Still bound. Wanting to go back. Still grumbling. Still complaining. Still can't see the big picture. What happened? Moses couldn't get their mind out of their past. They were free, but they were not delivered. The word says the truth will set you free. That's why if I don't preach truth on a subject, you won't be free. You won't be free. Who wants to be free here this evening? Then we're going to preach the truth and we're going to bring freedom in this place. That's what we're going to do. That's what's going to happen in this building. That's what's going to happen in these four walls. We're going to deliver you from a mindset that's been trying to control you and bring you down. And we're going to think the way the word tells us to think. We're going to think like a king. Without transformation comes confirmation. There's only two options here. If I don't transform my thinking, then I will conform to the world. Period. There's no in-between. Well, I don't want to be like God, but I don't want to be like the world, so I'll just be like me. No, you're being like the world. Because the entire world is saying, do your own thing. Be your own person. Be free. Be an individual. There are no individuals in the kingdom. In the kingdom, everybody is aiding one cause. You're bringing everything you got for the kingdom's cause, for God's cause. You're not trying to be your own person. I want to be found in the kingdom. America, America, we're, we're losing it in America, and we're telling people just be your own person and do your own thing. You know what that's called? You know what that's called in the kingdom? Rebellion. See, we don't know anything about a kingdom mindset because we have this, this government system, this democracy. And, and trust me, I love America. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else on the face of the planet, no other country. I love America, and we'll fight for this country to get it right. But they're, they're choosing a path that is wrong. When I can't pray at a 9-11 memorial, when the day after 9-11 everyone's bombarding churches and trying to pray and get to God, there's a problem. It's only been 10 years. Have we, this is why we have to renew our minds. This is the degeneration of our minds set before you, an example, happening. Ten years later, from the most tragic thing that's ever hit this country, and I can't get people to pray at the memorial for 9-11. That's pathetic. This is sin. This is the world. This is the enemy working in this system. But in a kingdom, there are no individuals. 
You're not doing your own thing. You're doing what the Word says to do. Independence is the worst thing in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying you lose yourself and and you lose what God's called you to do, but God's called you to live in this kingdom to aid it and to, to bring all your resources to fight for this one cause, not to fight for your own thing. There should never be a civil war in the kingdom of God. And there was once by a guy named Lucifer who rose up in pride, got other people, got a third of the angels. I mean, you're thinking, you know, you've seen pastors that have church splits, and you see pastors that have had horrible things happen in their church. God had a split. He had a third of his congregation leave. Jesus was left with nobody. He's hanging naked up on a cross, and there ain't nobody around that. Where's all the multitudes now? Where's all his disciples now? (laughs) Okay? People will, the second you start walking in truth, expect, expect opposition. Expect enemies to come. If Jesus had it, if disciples had it, if God had it, expect somebody to rise up in pride and try to take you over and prove you wrong. Okay? But, greater one lives inside of us. Amen? The greater one lives inside of us. But in America, um, the, the, the transformation has to come because otherwise you conform to your surroundings. You conform to everybody else. Jesus has said that we are light. You are the light of the world. Light looks nothing like darkness. No one's ever looked at light and darkness and said, uh, I can't tell which is which. I think the one on the left, that, I mean, there is light gets rid of darkness, takes it out. There is no darkness in light. So, again, black or white, hot or cold, light or dark. You're one or the other. I mean, thank you, Jesus, for using terms like light and darkness because there is no middle road. I can't tell if it's really lit in there. No, the light's either on or it's dark. The question is, is how bright is the light? That's the question. Okay? So without transformation comes confirmation. We have to allow transformation to take place. Now, I want to look at a word here in um, verse... Verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. Everybody say prove. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This word prove, I don't know why they use the word prove here, because this word prove is actually the word allow. Now let's read it again, because it changes everything. This word prove is actually the word Allow, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may allow what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By, conf- by transforming your life, by transforming your thinking, you allow the will of God to take place in your life. You allow it to take place. By doing that, you're saying, I want God's will to come through my life. 
And again, this gets rid of all independence. This gets rid of all individuality. This gets rid of all, uh, I want to be me and I want to do what I want to do. By allowing God's will to take place, you are now allowing the kingdom to take place. Okay? We cannot have, we cannot show the world the kingdom if the kingdom is not living in us first. You cannot change anything around you what you are unwilling to change within you. If I'm unwilling to change my character in me, then I I cannot expect to change anything around me. Okay? We have to understand this. Because we... We tend to only look at the scene realm. We tend to only look at what is around us and what we can view and what we can see. But God is first interested with what's happening on the inside of a person. If you were here Sunday, that's what we talked about on Sunday. Getting that fruit on the outside comes by changing your character on the inside. We saw that. By allowing the fruit of the Spirit to operate in your life, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, not the laying hands on the sick, not the giving a tongue and interpretation, not the prophesying, not the giving of a word, not looking all spiritual and acting like you know the entire Bible front to back uh, without ever looking at it. That's not showing the world you're led by the Spirit. What shows the world that you're led by the Spirit is if you can walk in love when someone stabs you in the back. If you can have patience with someone who's really getting on your nerves. If you can have peace when the boss comes in and says, sorry guys, we've got to lay everybody off. If you can have self-control when that one thing tries to rise up in your life and you can put it down. That's being led by the Holy Spirit. We've been confused. The church has been, uh, has been misled by thinking that the more spiritual someone looks on the outside, no, it's the more spiritual you are on the inside determines how spiritual you are on the outside. And we said that time is the determining factor for bearing fruit. And there's plenty of people that can talk it. There's plenty of people that can show it on the outside, but time will tell. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's law, sowing and reaping. If you sow good, you get good. If you sow bad, you get bad. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. And I've let time run its course. There's been people in my own life that I've, that I've seen uh, walk away from things uh, saying that they're led by the Spirit. And I'm thinking, how on earth? I mean, how can you? And you're wondering, but how? I mean... They still know the scripture. They still say they're living with it. They still say they're praying and reading the word. But time. All of a sudden, something creeps out. There's no love walk there. Mm, that's not the spirit. Ooh, they weren't patient with that person. That's not being led by the spirit. And you could, I mean, I could, go to the, I could go to these people and say, this, this, and this is happening in your life. Show me how that's being led by the spirit. And that's the fruit. Fruit is what proves something. I don't have to walk up to an apple tree and wonder if it's an apple tree because it's got apples on it. It doesn't have to wear a sign across it that says, I'm an apple tree. It's got apples hanging off of it that say, I'm an apple tree. The fruit proves 
who you are of. And it proves what you're putting in. If all you do is sit around the TV and you feed yourself that stuff and you feed yourself the world, the world and you feed yourself the news, uh, feed yourself the news and everything that's bad that's going on, expect to be moved by it. Expect when someone starts talking about the economy that it jumps up in you and says, oh, man, it's horrible. I don't know how anybody's going to make it. But if you're filling yourself up with the word, if you're uh, investing in the word, if you're planting the seed of the word within you, when people start going that route, expect to be able to jump up and say, I'm going to make it. Recession is not going to touch my door. I'm not going to lack because the government lacks, because I'm not living according to this economic system. I'm living according to God's system. God wants the best for his people. God wants the best for his children. He's not putting me through no test and no trial. He's already promised me that no matter where I turn, if I go left, if I go right, that I will be uh, accounted for. Psalms 91, they may fall to my left, they may fall to my right, but it will not come nigh my dwelling. Why? Because we've been planning the word inside of us, and that's what's coming out. What comes out proves to people what you've been putting in. What comes, what comes out of you proves what you've been investing in yourself. Let's take more time to invest the word. Amen. I kind of hit on this a little bit, and I talked about the three-part uh, being of man. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. You live in a body. Okay? Very simple. That's Bible Basics 101. Okay, the mind is a part of your soul and your soul is that middle realm that can go either way. It can go either way. So it is up to us to choose to put our mind on thinking on the word. Let's look at this real quick in uh, Romans. Romans chapter eight. Just uh, you should have already been in 12. So just a couple chapters back there. Romans chapter eight. And I'm going to start in verse 5. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind is is enmity, or enemy, is an enemy against God. Enmity simply means you are set against the, uh, you are set on the total opposite of what God is set on. Enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Very simple. Very simple. If I set my things to the flesh... I live according to the flesh. If I set my mind to things of the Spirit, I live according to the Spirit. Very simple. Don't you just love the Word and how simple it is? It's not difficult at all. We see here uh, several characteristics of living by the flesh. First, you have death. Uh, Hostile towards God means against God. Not subject to the law of God. Cannot, that means you cannot obey God or follow his law. And you cannot please God. That last verse, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, none of us want death. None of us want to be against God. All of us want to obey God. And none of us want to displease God. I believe that. 
So this is a mind that is set on the flesh. Now let's look at one that's set on the spirit. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Remember last week we said that righteousness is simply uh, being in right standing with the governing authority. I, righteousness for me in the state of Georgia is going down this road according to what the speed limit sign says. If it's 45 and I'm going 45 or under, I'm righteous. That's not a religious term. That's not a Bible term. That's a government term. Okay? If there's a stoplight at the end of this road and I stop at it if it's red, I'm righteous. Very simple. Okay? Anytime you see the word righteousness or righteous, that simply means I'm living according to what the governing authority says. That's all that is. And so we see here that if you live by the Spirit, it's life and peace. God dwells in you. The Spirit is alive. The flesh is dead. Okay? So this is what happens when we set our mind on the Spirit. Now let me just give you a little example of setting your mind. A carnal mind is simply responding to things, circumstances, situations, the way the world does. How does the world react when somebody gives them bad news there's cancer in their body? Do they react out of joy? Do they react out of the peace of God is on their life? Or do they react out of anxiety? Do they react out of worry? What is someone, what is, how does the world react when their boss comes in and says, we've got to lay everybody off, we just can't go on anymore, we can't do it anymore, um, here's your severance, good luck. Do they react with peace? No. Do they react with joy? No. So a carnal mind is simply reacting and responding to situations and circumstances that come into our life the way the world does. That's all that is. Okay? But to react out of the Spirit, to have our mind set on the Spirit, gives you a whole different response. Gives you a whole different reaction. I react differently when someone stabs me in the back. I react differently when somebody gossips about me. I have a love walk. I can walk on love. I can walk in love. Okay? Now, I want to show you here real quick in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, as we wrap this thing up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to show you here real quick that we'll go ahead and start with verse 1. Colossians 3, let's start with verse 1 here. <clears throat> I'm going to show you real quick that you have the responsibility to set your mind. Verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. So right here he's saying, seek after things that are of heaven. When he says above, he means of heaven, not of the world. So if you are of Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Verse 2, Set your mind on things above not on things on the earth. So who has the authority to set? Who does the setting? We do. Understand this. God's not going to set your mind for you. 
He's not going to take your thoughts and he's not going to take your mental capacity and your mindset and do that for you. It's your job. It's your responsibility. Okay? It's up to you to set your mind. Uh, over in Matthew chapter 16, I'm just going to uh, tell you about it. We had a situation uh, between Jesus and Peter. I remember Jesus is uh, asking, who do people say that I am? And Peter responds and says, uh, you know, the, the disciples respond, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're, uh, you know, um, John the Baptist coming back from the dead. Um, other people don't know who you are. And Peter steps up and says, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Okay? Jesus commends him, says, upon you, Peter, I will build my church upon this rock. Uh, no, no gate of hell can come against you. We know that, okay? Then Jesus turns around, and he starts going into uh, his death, and his burial, and his resurrection. And Peter, being the funny guy that he is, he's a little brash, and he's a little rough around the edges, and he's chopping guys' ears off, and, you know, he's getting in people's faces, and he's just a rough kind of guy. And he gets in Jesus' face, and he says, this will never happen to you. Right? And what does Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Kirk, we have that verse. It's up here. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not what? Setting your what? Mind on God's interests, but man's. Wow. So just that quickly, Peter goes from setting his mind on God's interests, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, to setting it on man's interests. No, Jesus, this will not happen. I will not, I will forbid it. I will, I will not deny you three times before the rooster crows. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting. Jesus is letting him know you had the option here. You set your mind on God's interest earlier when you said that I'm the son of the living God because that was truth. But now, and I, you know, I don't know the exact timeline of this. I don't know that these things happened necessarily back to back. But if they did go back to back, how long does it take me to read those passages, I mean, you're talking a matter of minutes. If that, that his mindset just went from thinking God's thoughts to thinking man's thoughts. This is how simple it is. And this is why we need to have this repetitive check, this repetitive renewal, this repetitive uh, process of renewing our mind daily, daily. I don't care if you've been saved 50 years or 5 minutes. You always have the opportunity to go back and think like the world thinks. It is our responsibility to set our mind on God's interests, on above. Seek those things that are above where Christ is. Set your mind. Set your mind. It is up to us. It is our responsibility. It is our responsibility. It is our responsibility to have the kingdom mindset. And we can always go back to this world's mindset. 
When I say kingdom, I just simply mean thinking like heaven. Because Jesus, over in Matthew chapter 6, with the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, what does he say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in Jesus wanted this earth to look like heaven. And it's up to us. Will we think like heaven? Or will we think like everybody else down here? People here are struggling. We see this. We see this with our family members. We see this with our coworkers. We see this with people that we come in contact with, whether it be customers or clients or people in school or whatever. People are struggling. The enemy has people bound. He doesn't have them bound in their flesh. He doesn't have people bound um, in the way that they're living. He has them bound in their minds. And if they could break free in their mindset, they could break free in their lives. Okay? It is up to us. I wanna, I'm going to close with this. Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 5 through 8. Just listen to this because I have it in a different version that kind of spells it out differently. It's the, ver- it's the passage that we just read. So just kind of listen to this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. If the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. This is how simple it is, folks. Look, every time you hear the word, because we said your spirit is saved. Your spirit wants you to walk in this revelation daily. Your spirit wants to operate in this daily. And there's one force in between that's holding it back. And it's your mind. It's your intellect. It's your, your feelings. It's your will. Okay? Your spirit is already at a level that God wants you to be. Now listen to this. Every time you hear the word, every time you come to church... Every time you watch a videotape, every time you see a pastor on TV, every time you're listening to a CD, every time the word is being put in you, you are simply trying to catch your mind up with who you already are on the inside. We're trying to get caught up. We're trying to get our mind to figure out what is this spirit all about? Where's my spirit man at? How can I understand the word? How can I understand what God wants me to live in? How can I live this lifestyle that God wants me to live? Your mind is trying to wrap itself around your spirit man. And the more you give to that, the more you give to his word, the more you give to his teaching, the more that you uh, build that up. The word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're not having faith built because we're not listening to the word. We're not hearing the word. Hearing the word is where it starts. Like I said earlier, we have to be in this daily. It's our daily bread. It's your daily bread. How many of you ate today? How many of you ate more than once today? Yeah. How many of you ate yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. 
we, we feed our flesh all day long. And it's good. We have to feed our flesh. That's how you stay alive. We got to feed our spirit. We got to feed our spirit. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for this word this evening. We thank you.